Exodus chapter 21 and verse 1, it says, Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. The Lord speaking to Moses, telling him to speak to the children of Israel. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Please be reminded what the Lord said concerning these things. Chapter 22 verses 37 through 40. Matthew 22, 37-40 says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love the Lord thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. These are the nail. You look back at the back of the building, you see there a coat hanger or a hat hanger. That umbrella is hanging on something. Okay, It's supported by it. Everything that is written is supported or hangs on these two commandments, loving God, loving your neighbor. Romans chapter 7, I brought this up before. Romans chapter 7, revisiting this idea. In verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual. People try to make the law an issue of the flesh or an issue of the conscience or an issue of the will. But the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Meaning, if someone walks after the flesh, there is condemnation. Someone walks after the Spirit, according to being in Christ Jesus, then they, there is no condemnation. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin unto death. For what the law could not do, obeying the law could not draw one to God, nor could it cause them to love their neighbor. The law could not do that in the flesh. In that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, or for the cause, or in, in substitution for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Why? That the righteousness of the law, which is spiritual, might be fulfilled in a practical way in us, who walk, who live, who our behavior is not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I read all that before we jump into the, the continuation of this subject. Remember, we're looking at uh, the, the restitution or repayment or payment for loss sequence here in, in Exodus chapter 22. The verses that we'll be reading, verses 2 through 4, then everything we just read, that it is a command of God, Exodus 21 verse 1, that the fulfillment of these things would be to love God and love your neighbor, Matthew 22, and that these things are spiritual and are to spiritually be behaved by those who walk in the Spirit, in Christ Jesus, Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8. These items of explanation of the law are to be spiritually believed and lived then. And I truly believe that we may have opportunity to practice these things, specifically the things that we're talking about today, the subject being breaking and entering, breaking and entering. It says in verse 2, verses 2 through 4, If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. 
If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be shed, there shall be blood shed for him, for he should make full restitution. If he have nothing, then shall he be sold for his theft. If the theft be certainly found in his hand alive, whether it be ox or ass or sheep, he shall restore double. Again, breaking and entering. Breaking and entering. In verse 2, it says, if the thief be found breaking up, we know what it is to be a thief, to steal, to take something that's not yours. We looked at theft last week, chapter 22, verse 1. So someone is breaking up. That's, a, that's an entirely new, uh, different concept that, that he's mentioning here. That means unexpectedly breaking in, coming in to steal, breaking through a bound, either digging under a wall or breaking through a wall or busting in a door or climbing through a window, breaking in, breaking up. We know by contrast, in verse, in, that's verse 2, if a thief be found breaking up, that's a contrast to verse 3 because it says, if the sun be risen upon him. So there's a contrast. So in verse 2 then, it could be understood that the thief is coming in under the cloak of darkness, right? The sun is present in verse 3. The sun is not present in verse 2. There's a contrast there. We know that, that there's an instance of, of cloak of darkness then. Someone breaking in in verse 2 then would have intent, their intent would be concealed. Okay? And there's a much broader range of things that they could do under the cloak of darkness. Their motives would be concealed. The extremes of evil uh, may, may be at hand. In John chapter 3, uh, thinking about the extremes of evil, when the Lord Jesus Christ was speaking to Nicodemus, in John chapter 3, and verses 19 through 21, look here, John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So a person breaking in at night or under concealment of darkness loves their evil, and their evil has no bounds. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So we could understand also in the darkest of night, people would commit the, the greatest deeds of evil. That would just make sense. But he that doeth, doeth, true, doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So if someone then behaving in the light or under the sun, you're going to see that there's a different set of circumstances than, than one behaving under the cloak of darkness. That you, we could understand that, that in the cloak of darkness in verse 2, that, that he's found breaking in. It says that he be smitten that he died. There shall be no blood shed for him. Why? Because, again, we're talking about extremes of darkness and extremes of evil. Intent concealed. Motives concealed. Extremes uh, may be found there. No definite item of theft is mentioned. I hope you noticed that. In verses 2 and 3, no definite items of theft were mentioned, and that's important. Whether a cup of coffee in the middle of the night, or the life of a child in the middle of the night, if someone was found breaking up, and that person be smitten that he died, there would be no, there would be no guilt according to the command of God for the shedding of that man's blood. No blood shall be shed for him. One breaking it up, doesn't love God. Okay, we have to understand that. Someone breaking in your house 
and the middle of the night is not doing so because they love God. In fact, the commands, as we've read already, contradict that. Okay? In, in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So there is no God, uh, the God of heaven, that permits such theft. He does not permit theft. He does not permit killing. He does not permit stealing. He does not permit covetousness. Those are all in violation of the command. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain or in an empty way. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain, taketh his name in vain. One who is a, a proper thief is indeed uh, a, a continual blasphemer, meaning they take the name of the Lord in vain. Verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt do, not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Someone breaking in, stealing, does so because they don't have something that, or they, that, that you have, and they want what you have, and, and they try to take it, presumably in the middle of the night. Again, whether a cup of coffee or a child. And anything in between, and things that, that cannot be named. There's a bunch of stuff that people could bring in, break in in the middle of the night. By contrast, the darkness is differentiating factor because the motive is unknown. It can, it's concealed, and as black as the night is, and as concealed as someone is, that the darkness of that behavior uh, may be at hand. There, one is a thief, and not being a thief out of the righteousness of God. One breaking in, they don't love God, nor do they love their neighbor. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 13, thou shalt not kill. If someone's breaking in in the middle of the night, it's on the table that they will kill somebody. That's just the way it is. That, that is on the table. If someone, if someone breaks in the middle of the night, chapter 20 and verse 15, thou shalt not steal. Why are they there but to kill or to steal? Why would they be there? Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. So someone breaking in in the cover of night again presents with all intent of malice. They present with all intent of evil. They present with all intent, evidencing that there is no love of God in their heart and there is no love of their neighbor in their heart. Keeping the two great commandments prevents, listen, some, if someone is keeping the two great commandments, there will be no thief breaking in, particularly in the cloak of darkness. There will be none. Hating both, hating both these commandments, hating both God and neighbor, brings the cloak of darkness to both pillage and plunder. They desire to take that which is not theirs, and, and they be found breaking up again when the sun is not risen upon them, but in darkness. You see in the B part of that verse, it says, uh, and he be smitten that he die, there shall be no blood shed for him. In the event of breaking and entering, particularly breaking and entering in the cloak of darkness or in the middle of the night, there is a clause in the word of God for self-defense. That's what this is talking about, self-defense. With the factor of darkness, the violated, the person being broken into, has the right and duty of self-defense and protecting their neighbor. So 
in, in my immediate circumstance, someone breaks in in the middle of the night, I have the right and duty to protect my family. I do. By smiting the thief, they're also loving their neighbors under their roof. So loving your neighbor starts at home. It really does. I have the right, duty, and obligation to protect those in my care. You know, uh, in our house, we have fair warning. You know, I, uh, if someone were to break in, I, I, I would be right to say I have a gun. Get out. I have the right. and It would be appropriate for me to do that. But I also have locks on my doors. I'm not inviting people into the house. I have an alarm system. Okay? There are several steps that I have given to protect a thief from me from breaking in uh, our house there and protecting my family in the process. So, children of God, it would be wise to take to take all measures. Um, one, you know, whether having security cameras up or a, or a security bell or an alarm or something to tell a would-be intruder, you're not safe here, you're not welcome here, leave. That is an extension of, of loving our neighbor. Leave. Do not come in here. But also, smiting that person that he died would be an extension of loving our neighbor as ourselves, protecting ourselves and our loved ones. The Word of God supports self-defense in this case. I want you to hang in with me. doesn't support it at all times, at all places, but in this case, it does support it. Okay. The law of the land also supports this case in self-defense. Uh, if you need to, write this down. Texas Penal Code, Chapter 9. Texas Penal Code, Chapter 9, Subchapter C. Gives a, a right of protection of persons or the stand-your-ground law. Okay. Well, what's that mean? Essentially allows someone to defend themselves if they feel like their life is in danger. Be careful. Self-defense and unnecessary force. Look into it to yourself. Unnecessary force. There's a fine line there. And that fine line could be the difference of you going home versus you spending the rest of your life under federal charges in a prison. If someone hits me or tries to hit me, that does not allow me to exercise deadly force. Right? I can leave, I can get away, I can do different things. But that's me, right? So uh, what about this stipulation? What, what, what if someone, what if a grown man, rather than trying to hit me, is trying to hit my six-year-old daughter? Well, she can't hold up to the force of a grown man. So then it might be necessary to exercise lethal force with a deadly weapon in those circumstances. You see, it depends on the circumstances. If someone pulls a, pulls a toy gun on me in the, in the cloak of darkness coming in my house and I can't see very well, it may be that I am justifiably right to exercise deadly force because they are, they're presenting as if they were trying to hurt me. And that happened to a Cincinnati cop about 20 years ago. He was chasing a guy down an alleyway. The guy turns around and pulls out a pellet gun. And when he pulled out the pellet gun down the alleyway, the police officer couldn't tell if it was a real gun or not, and he shot him dead. Well, he exercised a right, right amount of defensive force, you see. So stand your ground law. Are you in danger? Do you feel like you're in danger? Is your life in danger? Someone coming in your home? If the answers to that are yes, then supported by the Word of God, if someone be found breaking up, and he be smitten, and that he dies, there shall no blood be shed for him. If there is reasonable conclusion that one, under the cloak of darkness, or under hiding or concealment, is trying to hurt you and come into your space, then by all means, defend yourself. 
There's also an idea. Here's another one. Texas Penal Code, subchapter 9, subchapter D. The other one was Texas Penal Code, chapter 9, subchapter C. This is subchapter D. It's the protection of property clause or part of the castle doctrine, as they call it. The castle doctrine, meaning that someone's home is part of their castle or their domain. A man's home being his castle and a person should not be forced to retreat from their safe place. So if someone is trying to steal my car and I drive my car into the garage and someone's trying to break in that house to get my car and that car is my castle, then under uh, knowing, not knowing what forces those people are willing to do to take that car, I would have the right under the Word of God and by Texas Penal Code, chapter 9, subchapter D, to defend myself. The doctrine also allows residents to use force, including deadly force, to defend themselves, their family, and their property from an intruder or an attacker. Let's just say, for an example, if our society started dissolving, and in just a few months, the, the, the gas stations were closed, there was no more electricity, it was mass hysteria, and somebody was trying to break in and steal what little bit of food we have in the house over there. Well, you might say, well, you know that they're just trying to get food and that's not worth losing the life over. Well, what if that was what I was using to feed and protect my family with? That might be an item or a possession well worth fighting over. And someone trying to break in and take that food is not just an attempted theft of rice and beans, but an assault on my family. Then under both these clauses and under Exodus chapter 22 and verse 2, if a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he died, there should be no blood shed for him, meaning I would have the right to defend myself and my family. And those people would have the right to stay out of my home and away from those things that I am responsible for. We must also remember that we're under a high and spiritual law. So we're to love our neighbors. We're to love God. Someone is hungry, we can feed them. You see, there's there's a spiritual element that this 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 world that 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 Texas Penal Code whatever isn't going to get because these laws are written by fallen and depraved men. That children of God, we are to be indeed children of light. And if people are in need and if people need help, somebody asks us of our coat, then we should give it to them. Somebody asks us of something, we should be people, the people of God that would be readily willing and able to distribute such as we have ability. In this law, if one be smitten and they die, there shall be no blood shed for him, however. By the law of God, one is clean and clear from the blood of that breaker in her. At chapter 21, and read verse 12 with me again. You see a contrast here. He that smiteth a man so that he die, he shall, shall, surely, shall be surely put to death. Now, now that's, that's whatever motive, whatever reason, whatever. But here you see if someone be trying to, found, uh, be trying to, to break in, that person shall not be guilty of that matter. Self-defense. Self-defense. Make up your mind right now, child of God. Self-defense. If someone is willing to kill you or if someone is willing... Now, Jesus Christ, when he said they're going to put you out of the synagogues and they will kill you, he didn't say take up guns and knives and fight them back. So this is concerning stuff, right? So what, what do I mean by that about the Lord not saying take up guns and knives? 
It's a different issue, somebody breaking into steel, than it is for someone to take up arms against those who broadcast the gospel. That's a, that's a different issue and a different message. We should, as Paul was at every turn, be willing to, 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 to give ourselves over to those uh, that may take our lives so that the gospel would be preached. And even in Caesar's house, that the gospel would be heard. But this is speaking of breaking and entering and self-defense. You see the difference in verse 3, if the sun be risen upon him, and that's a big difference. It doesn't matter if the, he, uh, the him there is the thief or the owner or both, because in the event, now both are exposed. Now everything is out in the open. Okay? Um, there, it says there, there shall be blood, or he won't be relieved of his guilt for shedding that thief's life. It could be perceived that they only came to steal without intent for murder. If the sun be risen upon them, it could be that although murder under daylight certainly does happen, that all they wanted was a gallon of gas, or all they wanted was a little bit of food, or all that they wanted was uh, to borrow my lawnmower indefinitely, or whatever. One could hold for the authorities as perceived by the next clause. Look at that. If the sun be risen, for he shall make full restitution, and that would be under the government, the local government there, what they see is fit. You see, we'll, we'll look at that. So one, it seems as though if the sun be risen, that they be held by the person who owns the property and maybe others that he called for help, that person be held until restitution or repayment can be made. Loving my neighbor, I should not desire to kill them over a material possession. If the law can be used lawfully. If someone can be held accountable to the law and they repay me for damages lost, I would much rather that person live and repay me than they die. I would much rather that person, because I don't, if a person dies as a thief, that means that they continue in their thievery, which tells me that they're not children of God. I would much rather someone live with exposure to the gospel than they die actively in their sins. And that should be all of our case. It really should. So having a happy trigger finger would have put a Jew in a place of execution. Look at that. If the sun be risen for him, there shall be blood shed for him. If somebody just has an itchy trigger finger and they just want to shoot somebody for breaking in, then, then, then they themselves would have been executed under the law. They would have been guilty of the law. Refer back to chapter 21 and verse 12. He that smiteth a man so that he die shall surely be put to death. He himself would be guilty of murder. If after services we walk over there and it looks like the door is open, it's been kicked in, and we, I can see that our dog is laying dead in the threshold, what should I do? I should come back in this place. I should secure my family. I should call 911. I shouldn't go in there under daylight and tr just trying to kill somebody because they broke in our house. You see? Exercise the law. Exercise the law. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him. Under the Lord's divine spiritual law, we should have these things settled in our hearts. It should be no man's desire to kill somebody. It should be no man's desire to kill somebody. We know as Noah disembarked from the ark, the Lord said that man is made in the image of God. And at the... At the, at the uh, at, at, at God's, at God's command that man would be held accountable for killing the image of God. Again, that would not, if the sun be risen, that's not a case of, of, uh, of self-defense anymore. 
That's, that's a case of just desiring to hurt somebody at that point. If someone has an escape or if someone has a, a point of view where things are clear, then they have the, the obligation to love their neighbor and to love God, to keep them well alive, you see. Under the law of the land, what degree of force would be acceptable? Well, again, the ideal that nobody would die, that would be acceptable. We're also not supposed to set traps for people. In verses 33 and 34, excuse me, Exodus chapter 21, verses 3 and 34, if a man shall open a pit or if a man shall dig a pit and not cover it, and an ox or an ass fall therein, the owner of the pit shall make it good and give money unto the owner of them, and the dead beast shall be his. Apply that to human beings. There was a guy over in Baton Rouge that he kept getting broken into in his neighborhood, and he arranged that a shotgun would be placed to the toward the back door, so when someone opened the back door, it would pull the trigger, and he wasn't even there, but this man broke in the back door and was shot in the chest. I say man, boy, teenager, was shot in the chest with a 12-gauge. He set a trap. He, he opened a pit for his neighbor. And yes, the moan broke in. And yes, uh, there was nobody around. And yes, while, while these things were done under cloak or whatever, he set a pit for him. He set a trap for him and thus killed him. And he was rightfully prosecuted. We can't set traps for people. Don't lay a wedge of gold in the window and leave the window open and just wait until somebody comes in the window to blow them away. Don't leave that proverbial apple pie in the windowsill just hoping to see someone's hand so you can chop it off. You see? How is that loving God? How is that loving your neighbor? Don't, don't set traps for people. The sun was risen for him. He said, there shall be shed of blood. It was not good. It was not right. It's not right for someone under, under the light of day to take their neighbor's life. It's not. He says, make full restitution, for he he shall make full, should make full restitution. Now make a full payment or full amends. Paying somebody back would be expected and reasonable. You break in somebody's house, it's right to get to expect those things that were taken to be repaid. That's right. Stealing is a breach of several commands toward God and toward neighbor. And a restitution would, would be toward neighbor would be an appropriate thing to, to desire. But I want you to see something very interesting in verse, verse number three. If he, if he have nothing, if a thief have nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. Nothing to pay. This refers us back to the, to the servants of chapter 21, verses two through six. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and, she, and he shall go out by himself. And if a servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door, or to the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. So one being sold because of their theft, because they have nothing to pay, and sold unto slavery, brings us again back to the beginning of chapter 21. The law being spiritual, 
And then we must understand that all sin is an attempted theft of God's glory. And marry that, you know, harmonize that with what we read in, in John chapter 3. The Lord Jesus Christ said that men love darkness to hide their evil deeds. So all attempt of stealing God's glory happens under cloak of darkness or in the wicked dark places of man's heart, right? And because of that, men literally have nothing to pay being sold under the law. We read this verse several times, and I, I don't know if we caught it the first time or the second or the third. Romans and chapter 7. Look at verse 14 again. Look at these words. Now that we're... Now we're looking at him. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold, sold under sin. What does our text say? In verse number, th number three, if the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him, for he should make full restitution. If he have nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. A sinner literally had, in their attempt at theft of God's glory, literally has nothing to pay. So every sinner then is sold under sin. Every sinner is carnal, sold under sin, under the light of a spiritual law. Do you see that? Do you see it? Nothing to pay. Then the sinner that came into this world by himself will go out by himself. Look in verse chapter 21 again and verse 3. If he came in by himself, and I did, he shall go out by himself. Oh, no. Do you see how a sinner, a thief against a master, would be coming now under the, the service and bondage of servitude unto the master, coming in by himself, being sold under sin, under a law which is spiritual? And now he must go out by himself into judgment. Do you see how terribly awful that this would be? It's quite a terrible place. And the Lord surely will behave himself lawfully. Here again, sinner, look, verses 20, chapter 21, verses 5 and 6. If you consider that servant, if he were there as a servant because he had been a theft and sold in the, in the sin. But look, and if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master. Well, he, didn't love, he wouldn't have loved him before if he was trying to, say, to steal off of him. He wouldn't have loved him before. He wouldn't have loved him before if he was trying to steal or coveting his things, whether it's his, 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 his wife or his children or his ox or his ass or his plow or, or his toaster oven or whatever. He wouldn't have loved his master, but he does now. What happened? If the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, my children, I will not go out free. I will not go out by myself. I cannot go out by myself. Yes, I had nothing to pay. And now, as a servant sold under sin, being carnal, I have nothing to pay. But I have a new love for my master. The master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door and unto the door of posts. And his master shall bore his ear with an awl. And he shall serve him forever. Even that thief now loving his master who has once sinned against God. You know what that's called? It's called repentance. Turning from self to the master. Turning from hate and sin to love and obedience. 
That's true conversion that happens there. That one that had nothing to pay. Paul saying he had under the law nothing to pay because he was carnal, sold under sin. But yet in his conversion, there was now no condemnation. That's what it says in Romans chapter 8. There is, now, there, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. You walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The Master, once angry, is now pleased with the service of His converted servant, God Almighty. Angry with sinners, yet pleased with those who call upon Him. The converted slave now, now may dwell at peace forever with the Master. Well, that's a change of events, isn't it? Go back, and, and as you see this, this circle or this life cycle here of, the, of, of that thief, from thief to deserving to die, and to be, deserving to be punished, and having nothing to pay, and now being a slave, to now being a well-beloved of the Master. What a, what a turn of events. And you see how that the law is spiritual, how that describes the very case of the children of God. Those that attempting to steal at God's anger, or excuse me, at, at His glory, in the cloak of darkness, the hiding ourselves in darkness, with nothing to pay, sold under sin, deserving the judgments of God, being being determined that we should come in by ourselves and be cast out and alive into the lake of fire by ourselves, and yet God granted repentance, changing the heart of that one to one that was loving of his master and desiring to be obedient. No more a thief, no more a sinner, but now desiring to follow after their master. What, what a glorious set of, uh, of events, a change of events. You see in verse 4, something in addition, if the thief be certainly found, if the theft be certainly found in his hand alive, so let's say it's not a plow, but let's say it's the thing that pulls it. Let's say it's not an item. Let's say it's not a ring or a shoe. But it's a, a living thing. Be ox or ass or sheep. He shall restore a double. Whatever was proven stolen, he's caught red-handed. They're leaving out with, with the camels or the oxen or whatever. Whatever the merchandise of animal or whatever, except for a man. And we know that a man, it says in Chapter 21 and verse 16, He that stilleth a man and selleth him, or if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. You see, when you're dealing with human beings, you're going to capital punishment. But with, with other things, such as ox or ass or sheep or whatever, you see it's a two-for-one scenario. You've stolen two living things, then uh, uh, one living thing is taken rather than two living things are required back or the price of them. Okay? So if I stole someone's sheep, I, did, I owe them two living sheep or the price of two living sheep. I, I stole one uh, ox, then I, then I give back two fit oxes, not crippled ones, but fit ones yeah. or the price of two fit ones. You see? So in all these things, the spirituality of the law, what does it do? It should deter from theft. Okay, option one, listen, and breaking and entering... Listen to the options of breaking and entering. Option one, you break in somebody's house and it's dark and they kill you and they're right to do it. So death. Well, that's awful. I don't want to do that. I won't break and enter. Option two, I break in someone's house 
And the stuff that I took, I got to give twice as much back. And I didn't have anything. That's why I stole in the first place. Well, that doesn't sound any good. Well, scrap that idea. Option three, I break in and they hold me at gunpoint or knife point or shovel point or whatever. And now for, uh, for at least the next seven years, I'm going to be bound as a slave working for this guy or whoever else he sells me to. Are any of these options really appetizing to y'all? No. Death, double payback, or slavery? I would say that in all three measures, this would definitely deter a thief from stealing from their neighbor and also from, from desiring to, to rob God. Which option would you want? Would you want me to shoot you dead in the chest? Would you want me to ask you to pay back double everything you ever took or, or be counted as a slave for the next six years? Which option do you want? No, I believe that these laws ultimately encourage a spirituality that he that stole still no more. There would be no breaking in. I believe it does allow for self-defense, and I thank God for that allowance. Uh, human beings like to take advantage of those things and go the next step forward. No, if someone breaks in under a cloak of darkness and you don't know their, you don't know their motives or their ideas or plans or whatever, then then protect yourself. If it's not under darkness, if it's under daylight, you have room to work, then call the police and that type of thing. Then do so that they would be apprehended and things handled accordingly. Isn't it though a much better option to love the Lord and to love your neighbor? Is wouldn't that this, these scenarios in verses 2 through 4, they simply don't happen among people who love the Lord and love their neighbor. Somebody failed somewhere, someone sinned somewhere for any option to end in death, restitution, or slavery. Didn't something go bad wrong when Satan, or excuse me, when Adam brought death? When he brought a payment that man could not pay under those under the Lord whom he stole from, that, didn't something go bad wrong? Of course it did. Sinner, you have tried to break through, and you have tried to break through, and you've tried to break through, and just as Adam tried to break through, you continue to try to break through. And you know what? Just as it says in verse two, you deserve to die. And God Almighty would be right to put you to death. Breaking through in the cloak of darkness is sinful, and that's exactly what Jesus Christ was saying in John chapter 3, working your deeds of evil in the cloak of darkness. You deserve to die. Being an attempted thief and you have nothing to pay, you are sold in sin. You are at the disposal of the Master. You know what it says? He came in by himself or go out by himself. Keep on. And you will be cast into outer darkness alone just as much as you came into this world alone. That's what it said in verse chapter 21, verse 3. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. You came in this world by yourself. You continue on, you will go out by yourself, being cast alive into outer darkness. Could it be? Could it be, thief, 
that you will be blessed to serve the master forever being converted. Would it be by the work of God, by the work of God, that you say, I love my master, though you were sold in sin, that you are granted repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, that you desire to be near him and serve him and love him and be near him throughout all eternity. The Lord knows. There is no other way to escape these judgments than to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that the Lord will behave himself lawfully. Those that desire to break in, chapter 22, verse 2, you desire to break in under the cloak of darkness, which is your own sinful heart, that God Almighty will behave himself lawfully and commit you to the second death. Outside of Jesus Christ, that is. If you die, it is you that love darkness rather than light. If you be sold, it's you that have nothing to pay but rest in your own ability to do so. If you be cast out, it's because you would not submit to the Master, love Him, or want to be free. Of, you desire to be free of Him. You, you want to go out by yourself. Verse 2, chapter 21, verse 2. Without buying Hebrew servant, six days shall he, he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. You desire to be free of your master. It's your fault. You broke in. You have nothing to pay. You want nothing to do with the master. Sinner, I encourage you. Seeing your condition, seeing you deserve to die, seeing your soul under sin, I encourage you to repent. Desire after the things of the Lord. Call upon the Lord while he may be found. Today is the day of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, his gospel, and be saved. Jesus Christ paid the cost for his people. Look in, again in, verse, in chapter 22. It says in verse Number three, if he have nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. I had nothing to pay. And I was sold under sin, being carnal. I had nothing to pay. For the offense, for my restitution, for the theft that I had against God. You know, Jesus Christ had the perfect amount. He had the perfect payment for the loss that I had incurred. He had the perfect he had the perfect currency and what was that? His precious blood. Yes, I was sold under sin, being carnal. Jesus Christ died for me. Romans chapter 8 Romans chapter 8. You say, oh yes, I, I deserve to die, and I really did. Verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death, verse, chapter 8, verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, he exhausts the human language, beautifully, shall be able to separate us, the people of God, those that were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
Yes, he being the perfect substitute. I had nothing to pay, and Jesus paid it all. Verse 31 of the same chapter, What shall we say then to these things of God before us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How has she not with him also freely give all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? We went from having nothing to pay. And they have an American Express card. It has a limitless amount. You can just swipe it. You can buy houses or boats or whatever with it. It's it's a limitless uh, account on it. I'm not saying that we have the uh, the we should have the audacity to sin with a limitless account, but who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Is there any sin that can separate the child of God from God Himself? It's God that justifies. That's what Paul said. I have nothing to pay. I cannot make full restitution. But is there any sin that I had against God where He could not? He could not. Feel my debt? Absolutely not. I suppose it could be the case that sinners say, How could he love one such as me? The love of God is pretty amazing. Again, it talks about if there's something live, like an ox or an ass or a sheep. But in verses 3 and 4, it doesn't talk about what the item of theft is. What heinous sin have you committed? What, what sin is there, sinner? That would be too expensive for the blood of Jesus Christ? I submit to you that there is no sin that's too expensive for the blood of Christ. There is no sinner so sinful that God cannot save them, such as pleasing in his sight. I would encourage you, sinner, to repent. Repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't live in darkness. Don't live as a thief. Don't live as a slave desiring to be just left alone and cast out into darkness, but repent. Trust in the Lord, His gospel, and be saved. Child of God, think about this in a practical sense. We're to exercise these judgments spiritually, loving the Lord and loving our neighbor. I should not have the itchy trigger finger. I shouldn't. Someone breaks in in the cloak of darkness, I should give them every opportunity to leave, but I should also defend myself and my family, those things that I have the right duty and obligation to protect. The righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Again, that's what it says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 4. If the sun comes up and there's opportunity, there's opportunity to see what's going on, to call for the police, to do whatever, then exercise those opportunities, loving God and loving your neighbor. I thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ who exercised himself. He did. He exercised himself in this law for his people. Again, I was operating under the, cloakness, or under the cloak of darkness. I should have died. Christ died instead. Look at these verses again. The sun risen upon me, there shall be blood shed for him, for, for he shall make restitution. Well, I couldn't because I had nothing to pay. And I was sold for my theft. I was sold being carnal under sin. Yet Christ in his goodness died for me that I would live according to the Spirit of God, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in me, that I would walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, a bondman to sin no more. 
but now liberated by the wondrous grace of God. Thank God for the gospel. Thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ who exercised himself in this law for his people. These laws, verses 2, 3, and 4, point us directly to Calvary. These laws point us to loving God and loving our neighbor. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.